fuck is up, fetishist? <laughs> Welcome to Tin 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 to Tin Tin Tin, our first and prime Tin Tin podcast. I'm your host, Janusz. Hi, I'm your host, Sarah. And uh, my fetish is, I don't know, the first thing that pops into my head, my fetish is blackface, because that's the thing that I can't stop fucking thinking about good. in this book. Are you sure you want to predict yeah, that? Yeah, I am not going to commit to that one, huh? I have a little translucent Melisandre fetish here in my window. <laughs> yeah, I've got my Shara Aznable fetishes in my room. Yeah, you know this is the you know this is the real one because she has a few scratches on her face, the... uh, unlike all the fake translucent Melisandres. Yeah, if if you see a translucent Melisandre fetish that doesn't have a little scratch on her face from being taken to the cushion gun caves yeah. and banded about and photographed <laughs> a bunch, then that's a, that's a, that's a fake, and you gotta send that back. I have figured out the genius move that because she also had like yesterday she also had like a like a hole in her eye like the, where the paint in her eye came off but I <gasps> figured out that I can just put black ink on that and oh, you yeah. barely even notice so that's like thank my you, thank you Funko Pops for the great paint job <laughs> see Funko Pops are great because they all look the same and you can just repaint them to be like whatever you yeah. want them to be like and you, because they're fucking cheap as shit I don't like I've got my Sado Kaiba Funko Pop and I have I have it sort of stationed sorry my my Sado Kaiba fetish um, yeah. And I have it stationed beside my little uh, Yugi, sorry, Yami Yugi fetish, and I've just like give it, given my Sado Kaiba fetish a little like blush on his cheeks, so that you know he's blushing because he's standing next to Yami Yugi, and I like to see it. It's very funny to me. Um, also, my yeah. my actual fetish is is revolutions. <laughs> I realized I also have a little minions fetish here. Um, <gasps> oh, I've got little minions. Fe- oh my god, Janusz, I fucked up big time because y'all came to my house. Yeah, and I completely fucking forgot that like two or three weeks ago we gone to Home Bargains and bought a fuck ton of like Minions candy because oh, no. I was gonna hand out Minions candy to everyone and I just completely forgot and I'm like, what am I gonna do with all the Minions candy <laughs> no, in my stuck heart? Stuck with all that Minions candy. There's one that's shaped like a funny banana and the you take the banana peel off and you can like in your mouth and for banana flavor. Yeah, I fucked up. This minions I have is like from a Kinder Egg, I think. I think um, I think we also. Oh, might it might have, have been though. either from a Kinder Egg or from a Happy Meal. I got it from a friend uh, for like Christmas, like a year ago. <laughs> so it's like not very high quality. Uh, but he is wearing like a little dragon mask on his head, which is fun. Oh, make a good combination with uh, with Mel. Oh, can I send you a pic? I would like to uh, send anyway. mini pics. Post minion pics. <laughs> Post your minion fetishes. Um, this is not a, this is not a Funko Pop podcast or a minions podcast. Yeah, if you want that, go listen to the Asopop Funko Pop streams. Yeah, which I have been doing. Yeah, this is a Tintin podcast. Oh, that's this a good Funko Pop. Is that's a good, a that's a good podcast. Funko Pop. Good combination. <laughs> yeah, this is a Tintin podcast. Surprise, but you'd never guess it. Um, last last time. We talked about a good comic. Last time we talked about a good comic uh, written by Zhang Chonren. <laughs> but Zhang Chonren isn't here anymore and Hershey's back at no. it again at racism. Find, find an indigenous friend. Please, Hershey. Uh, I mean... I this just, one has some issues. This one did have some issues, but he did very much keep the basing the plot of his books on real life events that like have happened in the last few years yeah so there's that i guess except this time 
de-fictionalizes it and just adds in a bunch of like Latin American and indigenous stereotypes and, and racism and stuff like that. Thank you, Hergé. Thank you, Hergé. Yeah, I mean, it's just kind of, you kind of see how he did it after the Blue Lotus because it has like similar, it has a few similar things of like Tintin being caught up between a bunch of rival factions, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tintin being a completely passive character again. Yeah, Tintin getting arrested and broken out of prison by one of the factions. Um, <laughs> this is this is going to be the most time uh, a protagonist in a children's comic uh, is like at the verge of being executed. Should we keep a tally? Because this is the third time he's been no specifically executed by firing squad. I think he was yes. nearly executed by beheading in... I can't remember... Yeah, in Blue Lotus, the the madness serum uh, almost oh, yeah. made uh, Didi behead him, and then he was also then he was also uh, about to be executed. I don't know by which means. Might have also been a beheading. Yeah, I I just I feel like there's been a firing squad going to shoot Tintin in every single book we talked yeah. about so far. Like it's just it's 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 happening again. It's it's happening again. <laughs> Um, Twin Peaks voice, like it's a weird through line in your comics, but yeah, you know. maybe, maybe, maybe that's Hergé Spanish. You thought it was a little statue, but <laughs> it's being executed by firing squad. But you know, this comic is—we're talking about the broken ear, by the way. Oh yeah, said the title. Yeah, l'oreille cassée. You know, <laughs> I think it's you fun know to this say. comic is uh, gonna be good. When uh, the first panel is like someone walking into the Museum of Ethnography. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Where there's all these legitimately acquired uh, yeah. tribal artifacts from around the world. I'm sure they're there for good reasons um, and stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, we're gonna have Chaz on, on a later episode, but like while I was looking at this, I was thinking, damn, this is some, uh, this is some museum stuff. Yeah. You know what it is. It's museums. Um, but yeah, the sort of the first portion of the plot is like a a little fetish, an Arumbaya fetish gets stolen yes, from. We the all museum. know what a fetish is, and it's not funny at all. So yeah, stop yeah. laughing. Yeah, stop. Why are you laughing? Not funny. Um, but the first thing I want to talk about on this first page is uh, Tintin doing calisthenics with Snowy. Yes, it's it's so wholesome. He's just got his little morning routine. <laughs> Um, Snow is not doing great at it, but uh, <laughs> see, that's to, that's to their credit for for trying to teach a, a dog human calisthenics. He yeah. should be doing dog calisthenics. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, if, I'm sure if he reached out to the puppy play community, you know, like he could learn all sorts of fetish related calisthenics. Yeah, I mean, the start is not bad. Like, I think th- despite the stuff that it's in a museum of ethnography, which to be fair, it was just a thing in Brussels. Like, the, there was this yeah. museum. Uh, the the fetish that the whole story revolves is like based on an actual sculpture in in the museum of ethnography in uh, mm-hmm. in Brussels. Mm-hmm. So you know. Did you find a picture of it? Because I did not. There is one on the Wikipedia for uh, for the broken ear. Oh really? I think I just didn't scroll yes. down enough. Oh, there it is. Oh shit, that's just that's the exact statue. Except this yeah. one this one has two whole ears, so uh, it's a fake. Actually it's a they fake. should they should really go and fix it. No, it just it, yeah, it looks exactly like the fetish in the book, huh? I hate when someone has a fake fetish. <laughs> Damn. You're a real fetishist? Name five fetishes you have. <laughs> <laughs> um See the the fetish gets stolen and 
uh, Tintin does some Sherlock Holmes shit um, to this go and find it. This is the most like convoluted detective stuff that he's doing here. Uh, it's also weirdly only happens in the first like fifteen pages of the book, and then the book becomes about something completely different. Okay, I have a theory about that. Because, yes. like, I was doing the, like, time maths, and I was on the, like, Wikipedia page for various uh, South American uh, conflicts of the 1930s. Um, so specifically, like, a lot of the stuff in this book is based on the Chaco War, uh, which was between Bolivia and Paraguay uh, over some, uh, supposedly over some, like, oil fields, which then turned out to not have any oil in them, which is literally what happens in this book. Um... But I was also looking at the uh, February Revolution for Paraguay, which happened in February of 1936, which mm. would have probably been about the time that Hergé was like 15 pages into this book. Like, because yeah. it started serialization in December 1935. And I'm like doing the head math. I'm like, okay, that's like eight weeks of pages. That's probably about 15 pages. Then, like, news comes out that a revolution happens in Paraguay, and Hergé is like, hmm. I'll just take that. So that's my theory. That's something I can make a good, like, comedy chunk of the book about. <laughs> yeah. I do think I do think some of the revolution stuff is kind of funny, though. Yeah, like... <clears throat> we'll, we'll get to it. Like, so we'll the, get to the it. first, the first, like... First, first there's, like, some, some mild racism. Uh, oh, ethnographic yeah. racism. Where Tintin is, like... He's like, well, the, the Thompsons show up and they're like, the, the fetish has been stolen. Um, and we have no leads, but it has no intrinsic value. Uh, so it's, it has to have been a collector, right? And then Tintin is like reading an ethnographic book called Travels in the Americas from 1875, which is a good era for not being racist. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Famously, all like anthropological studies in that area were, were era were, weren't racist at all. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> he learns about the. Arumbayas, uh, uh, which is... Have you made that one up, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, no, 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 the Arumbayas who use the poisoned curare darts. Curare, I don't know how that's pronounced. Hang on, where is it? I'm trying to... I'm on page two. <laughs> oh, uh, cura- curare? Curare. I don't know, it's I just, know, like, it's, it's typical, uh, like, early 20th century adventure book shit. Like, okay, whatever. This it is, is. It came up in be all here. the. It came up in all the like adventure stories of that time. Yeah. Uh, it is interesting though how so far, all of the books we have read in this on this podcast somehow involve around um, poison arrows. Yeah. <laughs> like a lot of okay, maybe that's that said that second fetish poison poison tarts. Yeah. <laughs> was that and it was also always with blowpipes, right? Yeah, like blowpipes seem to be like a thing that people thought were. I mean, I'm sure they were real and very effective, but like, yeah, you know, they were kind of fetishized in early 20th century media. <laughs> they were. <laughs> um, yeah, and Tintin looks at the sketch of the Iron Bay fetish, uh, and what it turns out, the next day the fetish shows up again at the museum. It's back, no problem. 
it's back and it's apparently just stolen by someone who made a bet that he can steal it. Okay. And then he bought it, brought it back. Okay. How far down on the Wikipedia page for the Broken Ear did you get? Because there's some wild shit down here. Not too far. Uh, okay. So there's a part that's under later publications in Legacy and it says that in 1979, the Palace of Fine Arts in Brussels held an exhibition marking 50 years of blah, blah, blah. So as part of the thing, they had uh, a the, the statue, but like not the real one because... <laughs> Because they thought that it might be stolen because of what happened in the book, so they they exhibited like a replica. So guess what fucking happened? Oh my god! In the I'm <laughs> so yeah, I'm so on the Wikipedia. Yeah, it says imitating the events of the broken ear, a thief broke in and stole the statue. A letter was then sell- sent to Le Soir in which an individual alleging to be the thief stated that the item would be returned if Hergé returned to the scene of the crime at a certain time with a copy of the book under his right arm. Herja did so, but carried the book under his left arm. The thief never appeared, and the replica fetish was never recovered. <laughs> wow. Tintin stands, Gra- eh? But I, f- I feel like it doesn't even matter that it was a replica. Like, just, just the honor of having stolen the fetish from the Tintin exhibition is, like, is still, like, pretty epic, right? Like, it's, like, honestly... Kind of epic. Like, psychopathic fucking behavior, but, I mean, <laughs> kind of epic. <laughs> I would love to see, like, an Ocean's Eleven type movie just about the guy who stole the uh, Tintin fetish. Yeah. So, yeah, Tintin notices that the one that got returned has two ears and not a broken ear. Um, And then Snowy remarks, like, oh dear, here we go again. Sherlock Holmes on the trail. <laughs> at which like Tintin literally does like an ace attorney case for the next like two pages it's yeah. it's quite fun like there's just like clues like he finds oh a little scrap of grey flannel from the, the, the thieves and like all these other clues and sort of puts all this stuff together um, which basically leads him to this parrot um, what is the relevant oh the parrot belonged to the guy that made the fake statue and the parrot like witnessed his murder yeah it's very convoluted it is very convoluted like (laughs) but this is the part where we get introduced to um a a character with a phonetically written eye accent this is incredibly weird to me because this is like a character who seems to have like a some sort of spanish accent like he says senor and he says like some spanish words in it and then of course it is as you said some of the accent is spelled out phonetically but the accent only seems to have one feature in that his pronounces the e's longer yeah and the that's beautiful it. parrot but... is escapado is perdido yeah. <laughs> like okay it it sucks to read it sucks uh, to read especially if he has like multiple multiple words that have that have this accent marker in it but what is incredibly bewildering to me is that later in the comic we will meet a ton more South American characters. Yeah. And none of them have this accent. Like this like yeah. <laughs> this one guy is the only one who has the who has the Spanish accent. I don't I don't understand the logic behind it. Like I I'm glad that you don't have to we don't have to read like oh my God, half of the characters with this accent. <laughs> yeah. I just don't get why this is the one guy with an accent. So, like, there's this guy, and I think his name is uh, Ramon, and then he also has, like, a funny uh, compatriot whose name is Alonso. And so, like, 
I guess it's like the, the, the duo of Alonso and Ramo are like this kind of, you know, your classic comedy duo of like, there's kind of the serious guy who is bad at things. And then there's like the funny guy with the funny accent who's yeah. like a bit rash and unhinged and bad at things. And they're kind of, I guess the reason this guy has the accent and he has his little thing about throwing a knife a little to the left and like that's their comedy dynamic that's just a trope of that that's the only thing i could think of as to why yeah. this guy has this accent it could also just be that I, I i'm not sure how it is in french but assuming he also has the accent in french mm, uh, mm. it could also just be that Hergé just like gave him the accent at first and then he realized that it is going to take place in like these fictitious South American countries, mm-hmm. um, and he realized he can't give everyone the accent because that would be insane. But he also like <laughs> couldn't make this guy's accent disappear. Yeah, yeah. So there's this whole bit about like chasing this parrot, right? Like these uh, comedy villains. It goes on for like six pages. Yeah, like the parrot back and forth. And it's all just yeah, because because like these comedy villains have the parrot. Uh, but then they bump into uh, Tintin and the parrot flies away. Then this this other old guy who is another, like, Professor Calculus prototype, I feel like. Yeah, I noticed that. <laughs> Come on, Hirsch, I just introduce him as a prominent character. Stop, just like, including like, he, him and putting he, him in every book. This, this guy even looks like him. Like, he is he has, he has bald and has the funky haircut. Um, yeah, mustache. yeah. Like, yeah, but but there's, there's this guy who runs into the bird and then he thinks it's... Uh, yeah, he the, thinks it's a guy. The bird talks. The bird talks, and he's like, "Oh, uh, forgive me. I, I, I mistook you for a bird." It's pretty good. Uh, pretty good stuff. Um, I don't know. Like, it's quite convoluted. Basically, in the end, uh, Tintin finds uh, Alonzo's like house. Yes. And eavesdrop on the two of them. They're having a conversation. Honestly, this is kind of funny because the parrot is just like. A nightmare parrot and like they get into a fight at the parrot there's a funny bit where like he's pointing a gun at the carrot at the carrot at the parrot like like knife cat uh and the parrot ends up saying the words rodrigo tortilla you've killed me and that's i guess rodrigo tortilla was the murderer um we find some other stuff out about rodrigo tortilla um mainly that he has imbo- uh, gone on a boat uh, to South America, like, with the fetish, supposedly. Um, so, yeah, here we go. We've got to get on that boat. Got to go to South America. Yes. Um, nothing problematic will happen on the boat. Nothing problematic will happen on the boat. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so, so here's what happens, right? No! Um, <laughs> Go for it. Here's what happens on the boat. We switch to the POV of these two villains. Mm-hmm. And it's a classic RJ bit. This has happened in, like, definitely in the last book, uh, but I think also in the one before that, where it's like, which of the disguised characters is Tintin? Yeah. You know, this, Tintin's funny disguises has been, like, a thing. Yeah. You know, we all, yeah, we all, we all love Tintin's funny disguises. <laughs> Sorry, we all used to love Tintin's funny disguises. <laughs> So there's like once again t- other types of guys whose like head shape uh, seems to fit Tintin's head and also uh, see- suspiciously have a lot of shit on themselves, a lot of shit on their face where the villains are like, oh ho ho, uh, that beard, that is definitely Tintin uh, in a disguise. I'm sure he just has a fake belly. 
and mm. then they they start like assaulting all of these types. One of them, one of them actually is wearing a wig, uh, but it's not Tintin. It's just a guy wearing a wig. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> they start assaulting all of these guys and throwing knives at them. Uh, it turns out none of them is Tintin. This comedy bit is going on for a while, and then there's a, and then there's a sea, <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then these guys are like having a drink. They're talking about how we're sure Tintin isn't aboard. I fucking... uh, we've, we've checked everyone. And just very, very unsuspiciously and incredibly racistly drawn uh, black person is in the frame. Yeah, uh, with a way. with a very spherical head and who is quite small. You know, with with the big lips and all the racist stuff of the cartoons. Yeah. And he's just right there in the foreground of shot while these two characters, while, like, uh, Hamon and Alonso are talking. And I see this and I go, oh, no. And then I turn the page and Hergé busts through a door and says, oh, yes. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. Guys, you'll never guess, but. Uh, you'll never guess. You'll never guess what happens with Tintin's doing blackface. <laughs> this blackface and it's not just that he's doing blackface right but in the world of this comic the blackface is like incredibly convincing i guess yeah like that that's that's the big hang up i have on this is just the just the idea that there's a white guy in blackface and everyone is like nothing suspicious about this i know i mean i've seen white chicks it's fine I'm sure it's not racist if you do it the other way. <laughs> this did not happen. Yeah, Tintin this, did like, not do this. I'm just, I'm trying not to think about it. Like, like, like on another note, like, apart from the blackface, actually, yeah. like, so, first time I read these panels, like, I couldn't see what was on them because all I could see was the little fucking panel of Tintin taking his little wig off in, like, half makeup. God, you hate to see it. But like, okay, actually reading the panel, what happens on these two pages is that um, Tintin in blackface eavesdrop on Hamal and Alonso, who like plan to go to cabin seventeen, and like they go, they go, they they're planning to go to cabin seventeen, murder a uh, tortilla, and get the fetish. And in these pages, they do that, like they kill this guy at the top of page sixteen. Tintin apparently knew, knew about this, just. Seems to let them do it, and then after yeah. they get off the boat is when he arrests them. So, as well as doing blackface on these pages, Tintin allows the guy to die. So, th- I mean, he was a bla- he was a bad guy. So, he was the one who's had the fetish. Yeah, and having a fetish makes you a bad person, <laughs> as we all know. <laughs> so true, bestie. <laughs> yeah, I know. What, I know. What, I know what BDSM means. It means. Yeah, I fully understand it. Being. Definitely suspicious and uh, mal mal intentions mm-hmm. is what that means. It means you're a bad person. Yeah. Um. Yeah. What happens after Tintin does blackface? Tintin does blackface. These two guys uh, are arrested, um, and Tintin retrieves the fetish. But guess what? Ear ear. He has a full ear. It's it's another fake. <sighs> Fucking fake fetishes. Fake fetishists will kill this guy for no reason. <laughs> Literally, um, this guy who doesn't even—this is what. Because when I was like, when I first read it, I like, j- just like you, I didn't quite understand what was going on. I was just too shocked uh, by Tintin definitely not doing blackface, uh-huh. and and so I just, I just read this comic and I was like, wait, wasn't there this guy named Tortilla? And then I was like, 
rereading this and I, I was like trying to remember who Tortilla was and it turned out they just never showed this guy's face. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> there's like, you know, I'm not very good at remembering things. I'm also vaguely dyslexic. So the, there's a there's like a tapioca later on. And yes. I like completely thought they were the same person. I was like, okay, the name beginning with T. Yeah, I thought I thought Ramon was was Tortilla. Yeah, yeah. I um, we're definitely the right people to do this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we have good memories, careful attention to detail, and we know what the fuck we're talking about. But yeah, like I don't know that. So they they like they like find the fetish. Uh, Tintin takes it in his suitcase, and he just. He just kind of goes to shore. Why does he go to shore? Oh, yes. There's a bit where um, Ramon and Alonso, like, they get arrested and taken away. But then they, like, talk to the guy that has arrested them. And, like, they're in cahoots with him. Like, you know, it's all a big plan. So then Tintin gets summoned by the uh, Minister of Justice at the Republic of San Theodoros, where he has now arrived. And he gets, like, invited to come and, like, meet with this guy. Mm. So it just now, goes off. To this the is another another new thing that Erge does that will become a thing. Is like I think King Autocar Autocar Scepter is like basically basically this, but in Europe where he yeah. makes up two countries that are at war. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That have like you know, fake names. It's San Teodoros and uh, uh Nue- Nuevo Rico, I think. Nue- yeah, Nuevo Rico. Um which the Wikipedia page says is like a pun on Nouveau Riche and... Can't find it. Whatever. Um, but yeah, these are based on uh, Bolivia and Paraguay, who were at war in the Chaco War over blah 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 oil. I've already mentioned it. I, I'm not... Sh- I think San Theodorus might be Paraguay? I don't... I honestly don't really know. Like... It would take like a lot of reading and detail to like figure it out, and I yeah. don't think it really matters. I don't really think no. Hege has assigned one of them to the other. Um, the the only reason that I'm inclined to think that something Theodoros might be Paraguay is because Paraguay had a that February Revolution, um, and stuff like whatever. So it's it's very much it's based on real things, but also the fact that he's fictionalized them gives him the space and this kind of sucks like it gives him the space to just like throw uh, latin american stereotypes in without being without you know people being able to be like oh well that's like that's not yeah. what bolivia's like but he can just be like okay well i've made these countries up like obviously all these people wear sombreros yeah and ponchos like that's just what san theodoros is like so it, it kind of sucks um yeah it- but i don't know I don't know if this is just because it does k- kind of suck, and at the same time, I also don't know what Bolivia and what Paraguay are like. Like, yeah. maybe it is just like a failure of like our culture. But th- you know, you know, epic lib, uh, John Oliver. <laughs> no, I don't. But go on. B- back when I was watching his epic uh, comedy news show. He had like this ongoing bit where he was like, he mentioned like a Latin American country like Bolivia or Paraguay and then pointed, showed a map. And then his joke was, that's not actually Paraguay because you wouldn't know. Which okay. is very epic and funny, but like it, I think there is like a kind of uh, gap in European cultural knowledge that you just can't keep, you just don't know anything about Latin oh. American countries besides like 
Mexico and Argentina, I guess. Okay. Maybe Cuba. Like, so I, uh, uh, listeners, I lived in Brazil for four years of my life. Uh, I have been to Argentina, Chile, Peru, uh, that that's 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 it actually. Uh, actually, I've technically been to Paraguay because I was at Iguazu, which is at the border of Paraguay, Argentina, Argentina, Brazil. I also know nothing about Paraguay and Bolivia. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, close. I mean, closest I've been is to the Pantanal, which is on the like Paraguay Bolivia border of Brazil. But like, honestly, like I do not, could not tell you. Like, I'm I'm looking at the sombreros and be and making the like vague assumption that that's probably not like a Paraguayan, Bolivian, uh, uh, traditional dress, if only because it's so known as being Mexican traditional dress. Yeah. Um, but like, couldn't actually tell you on general knowledge. Like, I would have to do a lot of googling to know any different. Um, so yeah, Hergé kind of gets away with it, huh? <laughs> Can't keep getting away with this. And like, honestly, I'm kind of assuming that he will do the same thing with like Central Europe. Yeah, he will. Like... He will keep getting away with this. I. <laughs> this is a tangent, and we'll we'll talk about this much more next episode. But like a little teaser is that apparently for the next book, which is about Scotland, uh, mm. on the reissue, like on the like reissue in the sixties, uh, the like British, some British like institute or government like provided him with a list of mistakes that he made about like his portrayal <laughs> of British people that he had to correct. Oh my god, okay, I really want to find the original one for next week. I know. Because <laughs> I think the I think the currently available editions, like the color editions, are like the ones that have all, all the corrections already. So, look, yeah. I, I'm really excited to see what he got wrong because, you know, Britain is like one of those places where it's actually epic to get things wrong. And you should. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. He's right to do racism <laughs> against the Scots. Exactly. <laughs> The only one who isn't allowed to do it is Patrick Rothfuss. <laughs> I think, no, I think if you're American, you're not allowed to do racism against the British. But if you're, like, from another European country, it's it's all fair game. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, Tintin uh, goes into San Theodoros and gets framed for terrorism immediately and gets arrested again. That's a new development for a Tintin comic. Yeah, we've never seen him get arrested before. He gets arrested because someone planted a box on him that has like three bombs in it. And they're like comedy Mario Kart bombs as well. I, I love the comedy bombs in this book. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, but it's so funny because it's like, uh, yeah, it's like they, the, the captain makes him open the case and then he's like, I knew it. He's a terrorist. Arrest him. And Tintin is like incredibly surprised. And then in the next cell, he's like, well, here I am again in the soup. Tintin said, nice soup. Nice soup. I also noticed that, like, in the walls of this panel, there's, like, some graffiti of, like, a, a guy on, like, a, a a gibbet, and it says, like, Viva la Libertad, and, like, yes. stuff. I, I I thought that was neat. Just, I just, I do like the panel saying, here I am in the soup. Thank you, Tintin. Um, there's a bit where he's like, ah, oh, but my boat is going to come and get me. And then someone sends a letter to his boat telling them to not come and get Tintin. Um, oh yes, then we come to page 20, which is has has funny funny revolutions bit on it, which is funny, but also sucks. Yeah. Yeah. It's, so, 
Hershey, like, Hershey does this, like, I think several times in this book where he draws a sequence of panels and then, like, reverses it, flips it, and repeats it on the second half of the page. Yeah. Um, in this one, Tintin is about to be executed by firing squad, uh, but a guy comes in and says, Comrades, the revolution has triumphed! General Tapioca has fled! The tyrant is on the run! Joyous, glorious General Alcazar is now in command! And then all the guys who are about to shoot him are like, Woo! Viva la libertad! We're not going to shoot Tintin! And then on the next line, literally the reverse happens, where they're like, General Alcazar has fled! The tyrant has run! And and like they do the same to the reverse. And it's just, you know, it's a funny bit of, ah, oh, revolution, ah, oh, revolution, ah, oh, the yeah. coup d'etat got to coup d'etat it. Um, but it does just kind of suck because, ah, oh, it's uh, funny Latin Americans, uh, they're just pushovers, they'll fall for the populist guy and switch sides to whatever, like, revolutionary fad is here. Thanks. So do you know anything about what was going on? Uh, well, e- sort of. Um, I have skimmed the Wikipedia page for the Shaka War and the February Revolution. Um, I'm gonna be real. I can't tell you much more than this. <laughs> um, the February Revolution, like, so, uh, we've got Rafael Franco, who was the, I think, main instigator of the February Revolution. Um, which was sort of based on, like, so both Bolivia and Paraguay were the poorest countries in South America at the time. Um, and they'd both been kind of like fucked over by their neighbors, had like a bunch of land stolen from like Argentina, Brazil. Um, and like the, the, the driving force behind the revolution was like, Hey, we're, we're Paraguay. We're tired of being nice. We want to go ape shit and like get some land back and stuff, which ties into like the Shaco war and stuff like that. Um, this that is just like a very like I vaguely skimmed the Wikipedia pages. Yeah. Um, there's like there's a lot going on. Like it would take me, like I started doing this like an hour before we recorded. <laughs> so <laughs> like, th- yeah, there's a lot going on. Um, I think in both cases because there was also some coup d'état in Bolivia, although that might be after the serialization of this. Um. They were both kind of like instituted military dictatorships, which were like kind of both. The February Resolution on the Wikipedia page says the revolution has been described as a joint Marxist and fascist coup. Great. Um, with great stuff for that. Um, a lot of the times the people who took over in uh for Rafael Franco in Paraguay, he did like vaguely socialist stuff but in like a dictatorship kind of way yeah is what i'm picking up here and there's an interesting stuff where, about yeah. these early tintins where he like uncarefully uh already does themes that he's gonna return to later like this revolution stuff is gonna be like relevant for i think the last one yeah because general alcazar uh comes back in general alcazar and comes back picaros yes. Um, and I remember him being very different in that one. Yeah, because General Alcazar. So uh, actually, like, so what happened? Actually, what happened? The next yes. bit, which is very, very funny, is that Tintin, like, the guns don't work, so they take Tintin out 
where they fix their guns and they like give him a fuckload of alcohol. <laughs> Tintin gets like blackout drunk, wakes up the next morning, like after like the third revolution of the day, as the like aide de camp and like right hand man of General Alcazar and like has no memory of why he got there. It's like extremely good. Yeah, this one is funny in a not shitty way, I think. It's like generally <laughs> Like once you once we've already gotten over the like you know, general shittiness of everybody just being like, haha, look at those South Americans just doing revolutions all the time, changing factions all the time, it goes so fast, uh, and it's impossible to understand what's going on. You know, once we've gotten over that, like, once he gets to these, like, I don't know, I guess once it changes from, like, just a general sentiment about the political state in South America to, uh, to just, like, I don't know, to just like the way these characters interact, I guess. Mm. It becomes better. Or yeah. it becomes genuinely funny. Yeah, yeah. Um because so yeah, like the reason that Tintin gets hired as his uh in the comp is because like he's really drunk and like everyone's yelling General Alcazar and like he also just starts yelling about how great General Alcazar is. Yeah, while he's while he's about to be executed. Yeah, and they're like, oh my god, this guy was yelling about General, how great General Alcazar while he was being executed? What a hero. What and a loyalist. Like, what a fucking loyalist. Um, and yeah, Tintin gets... Uh, he gets a little uh, uniform. He looks like he, he looked like he's about to serve on the white base from Gundam. <laughs> um, he does. <laughs> little little fatty uniform. Um, and we'll meet the breakout character of this of this book, General Alcazar. Oh, I thought you were talking about the funny assassin in the black poncho with the mask. He's also funny. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, so General Alcazar is like a complete dick, honestly, in this He's book. a complete like, psychopath. He's just like very like brutish, um, large guy, aggressive. Um, in general, he does a thing later on where, like, Tintin keeps beating him at chess, so he, like, shoots a load of blanks at Tintin as a prank. <laughs> Just complete psychopath behavior. Yeah, yeah. But, but I kind of I like that. Like, I kind of like that character, honestly. Uh huh? It's, I don't know, it's just so insane. Yeah, good for you, buddy. Like, that's your fetish, I guess. <laughs> it's, I don't know why Tintin would 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 think this is a good guy you know i mean i don't know if he does he as just... like as like a deranged military guy you know it doesn't i sure <laughs> i do okay i like i really like actually the bits where they're playing chess like there's yeah. a, a set selection of panels on the bottom of a page 23 where um like Tintin and General Alcazar are in like a, a meeting. They're saying the words like, "Oh, it's a very delicate position." Yeah, very delicate. And like the people outside are like, "You can't go in." Like the general's extremely busy with Tintin. And there's like a series of six tiny panels of Tintin and Alcazar doing like extreme thinking emoji. Honestly, these would make good emojis. And then yeah. we just cut to the fact that they're playing chess. Um, and it's really funny. Yeah, it's you know. As far as like, as far as like slept slapstick revolutions go, you know, <laughs> which has has its own like, um, aura of shittiness mm -hmm. with it. But like, as far as those go, we've seen worse. Yeah, like, like the slapstick is quite funny, despite the like, 
ideological content, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, like, maybe what Hergé was intentionally doing by putting blackface in his book was making us feel so bad on those pages that, like, everything else here, <laughs> we could just, like, it's fine. Like, you know, Hergé, this is fine. You know, it's fine. Let's just fucking go. Yeah, and also, like, the, 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 the later stuff in the book becomes more racist. So, like, oh, in, in comparison, this bit is, like, God, the end of the book is so fucking bad. Oh, fucking God. <laughs> exactly. Like, this bit is, like, compared to other stuff, it's based on actual historical thing, like shit that Hergé was probably reading in the news. Yeah. Uh, on, like, actual things that were happening in actual countries, even if he did fictionalize them. Um, so, yeah, compared to the other, other parts of the book, you know, Burning Dog comic, this is fine. It's yeah. the burning dog comic, but it, it's snowy in there. He's saying this is fine. He's saying this is fine. <laughs> snowy says this is fine. <laughs> I need to fucking... Because we decided we we're going to publish episodes on Tuesday, so I need to fucking make an edit of Tuesday again, no problem, but it's snowy. <laughs> oh my god, fuck yeah! Tuesday again, new podcast. Tuesday again, new podcast! Uh, yeah, this, so there's this... Have we talked about this comedy bomb sequence? There's a comedy bomb sequence. Um, this is the first of three comedy assassination incidents in yeah, this book. But it's the best where one. I this is Yeah, this yeah, this is one of the best <laughs> ones. Like there's just this guy in a black poncho, a black like sort of Zorro mask and a big sombrero, and he is trying to assassinate General Alcazar because of because revolution, I guess. Um so he throws a big No, this is the bomb. guy this is the guy who like Wait. when Tintin was made at the comp uh and uh and the colonel then this guy was like one of Alcazar's like other colonels and he was like let's not make him a colonel we have too many colonels already and then Alcazar was like oh you have a problem I'm gonna demote you to I don't know corporal oh my god I didn't notice that and then this guy was like I'm so upset I'm gonna join this vigilante group oh my god <laughs> so, so that's why he now wants to assassinate them Ah, those uh, those emotional South Americans, am I right? Not like us <laughs> Europeans. Fuck. <laughs> Thanks, Sergio. This is like a fucking uh, friendship ended with this guy. Now Tintin is my best friend, and now this guy is is upset about that. Uh, literally. Um, yeah, he throws a comedy bomb inside the room where Tintin and General Alcazar are playing chess. It's like the um, most obvious and easily avertable like way of um assassinating someone you know because this bomb is impossible to overlook yeah yeah i mean i I do think comedy bombs are underutilized in fiction these days Um, yeah like this is literally the fucking batman bomb (laughs) yeah yeah um tintin grabs it throws it back out the window where which it immediately hits this guy in the head lands in his sombrero Knocks him into the uh, funny comedy fountain, and he sort of he stalks off, saying the line, "Oh, back to square one again," back which he will one. say every single time he fails at an assassination attempt throughout the rest of this book. Yeah, quite a funny bit, to be honest. And then at the same time, these other two evil guys are here from earlier. Remember those? Mm. Uh, like uh, Ramon and Alonso. Ramon and Alonso. Uh, we recognize them through the accent because they're wearing yeah. different clothes now. <laughs> It, it it it's coming in handy actually. Yeah. Coming around on the accent. 
I mean, it yeah, it does kind of help because Hergé does draw all of the South American characters with the like yeah. exact same kind of like uh, styles of moustache. Yeah, of and these guys hair. are now wearing like military uniforms too, so it's you know not even their clothing yeah. their clothing are distant. Yeah. So there's just this whole bit. They kidnap Tintin, drag him out to this like shack in the countryside where they're interrogating him about the fetish. Yes. Um. They say, Tintin, tell us your fetishes. We've we've got you tied up. Um. Please tell us your fetishes. <laughs> Tintin is and Tintin is like, God damn it! I don't have a fetish, but I have to say something. <laughs> God, quick, make up a fetish. <laughs> Making up a fetish to get mad at. <laughs> so and like so the way like. It it comes down to where they're like, uh, you have two minutes to tell us your fetish, mm-hmm. or we're gonna shoot you. The way Tintin escapes from this. Hello. I didn't understand what was happening. What the fuck? I had to reread this page three times because <laughs> it's like they're pointing the gun at Tintin. Like Tintin lies something about the fetish, right? They're pointing the gun at Tintin, and yeah, then he it just looks has like, like feet or something. Yeah, it looks like him. a lightning hit. Like there's a panel of a lightning hitting. Uh-huh. And there's a panel of, like, some light swirl. Uh-huh. Like, it looks like a fucking wormhole. Or, like, like or, like, a, you know, like a, like a portal. Ew, like a portal. It looks like a portal opens and that teleports Tintin outside. That's what it looks like. I'm pretty sure that's what happens, like, homie, like, that's the... It looks the like the lightning only... hits Tintin square and teleports him outside. So, I mean, so... There's no the, other explanation, because, like... like, even on the, on the next panel, yeah. like... Right, like the, we we see the stool he was sitting on, and there's like fl- like this black smoke going up. Tintin has in, been vaporized. Yeah, and then in the next panel, Tintin has like little like charcoal on his face, and like stars are swirling around his head. So this, and, and his like clothing is torn. Right, like his yeah, his uniform is like gone, and and and, and also like this this other guy. Alonso's suit is also half torn, so it must yeah, have like been the lightning. The, the, the side of his suit that was closest to Tintin has been vaporized. We're gonna have to add fucking teleportation to Tintin's powers. Like literally, he t- lightning teleportation. I sw- t- Tintin's a fucking witch. Like he could create portals with lightning. I swear to God. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I guess that there is a panel with like a broken window. And yeah. Alonzo saying, quick, he must have gone through the window. But, like, I'm looking no. at Tintin, and this does not look like a man yeah, who no. was able to... Jack- this is a man who teleported via lightning. That's what happened. Um, I'm convinced. Yeah, I... I yeah. think the the, the window just, like, broke as an effect of the teleportation. Like, yeah. he's also, like, much further away in the next panel, right? Like, yeah. it's just one panel, and he's, like, at the other side of the house. Yeah, yeah. Like, he can't jump that far, but it also doesn't look like he just ran. Like, lightning teleportation confirmed. Confirmed. Um, there's a sequence, like a chase sequence in the rain. I gotta say, actually, the action sequences in this book are consistently pretty good. Yeah. Like, Tintin does a lot of just, like, car chases, jumping in rivers, fighting people, and, like, they all read really well. Yeah, except when there's lightning teleportation. I don't know, I think the lightning teleportation reads pretty well. You just gotta open we your mind to the fact to. that Tintin can teleport. We have to assume that that was Hergé's intent. There's no I, other way. Like, the swirly portal panel, like, that's magic. I'm looking at that panel and that means, that means magic. Yeah. Like, it's, it's the kind of thing from, like, the seven crystal balls one, right? Yeah. What, the one yeah, they do magic the thing. in? Yeah, that's the thing, like... 
there's gonna be magic in later volumes. It just feels very unexplained in this one. <laughs> Listen, sometimes you gotta stop doing funny comedy revolutions and do a little bit of lightning teleportation yeah. when you're Hergé. So um, he ties up these two guys, which is not a fetish thing. Yeah, um, yeah. And he um, brings them into the to the police. Yeah, as we know, uh, Tintin doesn't have a fetish from the last pages. No. Um, he had to lie about his fetish. Um, yeah, he like arrests them, takes them back to the like the main uh, Santa Doros town, which is called something that I can't mm-hmm. remember. Um, there's then like another comedy sequence with the 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 black poncho guy. This is also pretty good. <laughs> Tell us the, about last, it. the last one had a comedy bomb. This one has like a comedy barrel of dynamite. It has dynamite written on it. Yeah, it's like a Roadrunner and Coyote style. Literally. Dynamite barrel. And he's like, he places it under Alcazar's window. And he's like, haha, now all I need is a light. But uh, Alcazar, who's I guess playing chess on its own in this scene. Uh, no, Tintin's there. Oh, he says, come in. Yeah, Tintin is there. Uh, so Alcazar is playing chess with Tintin, just tosses out his lit cigar the window. And that lights this assassin's hat and it catches a huge fire like i don't know how i don't know how how like a simple like hat can catch the hugest I mean, fire you've no, ever seen no actually um did you know well-known fact about um paraguayan sombreros is yes. they soak them in paraffin after they make them very important cultural uh thing that you gotta know about the country of santeodoros is all sombreros are soaked in paraffin of course um but yeah, he does a funny, funny runaway again. Uh, dunks himself in the funny comedy fountain, and ah, oh, caramba! Back to square one again. Back to square one again. They didn't even notice the assassination attempt this time. This <laughs> no. is when when Alcazar turns into like the the the, the psychopath that we mentioned earlier, because uh, this is where Tintin checkmates him, and then he pulls out a gun, shoots him in the face, and then starts laughing because he pranked him that the gun is of course always loaded with blanks. It's so funny. To like shoot someone in the face with with blanks uh, that that totally isn't like gonna like shoot a Get... hole in your eardrums. Uh huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> if you fire blanks like right at someone's face, uh, like at the end of it, he's telling he's like, oh, one time I did this to a guy and and pulled out my gun and fired at him and he fainted and the next day he got jaundice. Um, uh huh. Imagine. Imagine getting jaundice after it? a great shock. And then the following sequence happens where the guy goes over, succeeds in lighting the dynamite barrel. There's a big bang outside General Alcazar's window. And then, hey, the next morning... The general oh, has jaundice. Oh, but jaundice style. Jaundice from shock. Jaundice um, from shock. So yeah, funny, funny, funny comeuppance. Poetic justice. That's it. Um... There's yeah the the next this is like I don't know the sequence kind of okay okay so what what happens here is that like General Alcazar is in hospital from having shock jaundice imagine yes. that funny shock jaundice um so like Tintin is basically put in charge of the San Theodoros government <laughs> for the day um that's normal but like <laughs> this is the point where I was like what the fuck is this comic about yeah what is Tintin doing here. Because he came to, he came to, uh, he came to find his fetish. San Theodore, I guess. What is this kind of San Theodores? San Theodores. He came to San Theodores because he was to investigate the fetish thieves and also find the real one. But at this point, he's just fucking General Alcazar's aide, and he 
like he's just very content with being that like he's just very content with being the second hand man of a of a colonel who just like did a revolution and over, or, or like a general just overthrew the, the government and did a revolution yeah like, like you know i guess one could uh extract from all that that like Tintin is sort of you know hostaged into the situation like he is sort of the aide-de-camp under duress like because General Alcazar is a fucking psychopath like Tintin is not really able to simply quit his position as his right hand man but none of that's in the comic. He seems to be very calm about this. He's just he just likes playing chess with General Alcazar is sort of what we are led to read. He's fine with this. I mean, this starts to feel like much more so than in Blue Lotus, even though Tintin was kind of a passive character in Blue Lotus also and just like went with the flow. Mm. But this seems to be the peak and I don't know how it's going to be in the next two novels. I I have novels, books, comics. Uh, Uh I I, I have a theory that that Hergé introduced the Haddock as the secondary character because he just didn't know what to do with Tintin just on his own. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's gonna be two more that are Haddock less. Uh, I'm very curious how that's gonna go because in this one it's like peak. Tintin is just around to witness events that are happening around him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Because, um, like, the, the things that Tintin does are like Sherlock Holmes type shit, investigative journalism. Yeah, but he does that on like four pages of this comic. Yeah. Like, he does a few things, which I guess, you know, in theory, they set off this chain of events. Yeah. But, like, that still doesn't mean Tintin has, like, done anything in the book. Yeah. So now this unsuspicious-seeming guy named Trickler shows up. Mr. Trickler? What if there was, like, an oil baron called Mr. Trickler? Um, Uh, Yeah, I guess he does do things on this page, because Mr. Trickler... Uh, offers him a great deal of money in order to invade the neighboring territory, the Republic of Nuevo Rico, because there's big oil fields there, and Mr. Trickler wants to exploit the whole oil field. That is textually like what he says. Something. I yeah, I, I no, I think Hershey's just making stuff up again. This I don't think this is based on anything <laughs> in real life. Um, no, I would start a war for oil. You know what? Yeah, no one would do that. I don't think. I don't think it's just—it's fiction. You know, sometimes. Yeah. Uh, or for yeah. the weapons, which is going to be the next one. <laughs> yeah, no, no one would just like sort of like fund a war and then sell weapons to both sides. That never happened. Yeah. Um. So yeah, because Tintin is temporarily in charge of the San Teodoro's government, he can just kick this guy out and be like, "No, dude, I do not want this deal." Um. And from now on, Mr. Trickler, oil baron, American oil guy, is uh, trying to also trying to get rid of Tintin. So that's like three factions now that are anti-Tintin. This is such a such a classic bit where Tintin just shows up somewhere and everyone declares him to be his mortal enemy. <laughs> Honestly, if I saw Tintin, I'd be like, get the fuck out of my house, you racist. <laughs> so it's fair. Her they all know he did blackface. <laughs> <laughs> it was all in the newspapers. Yeah, yeah. They... That's that's why he had to leave Belgium. Oh yeah, because he's cancelled. <laughs> yeah, Belgians famously uh, have a problem with people doing blackface. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, Mr. Trickler hires an assassin whose name is Pablo to go and kill Tintin. This guy has like the biggest fucking mustache. This is pretty like... big mustache, like. Very stereotypical, like uh, once again drawn like a drawn like a Mexican stereotype, even though it's clearly not Mexico. Yeah, yeah. 
Ah, um, well, you see, it's it's the Republic of San Theodorus. That's that's clearly yeah. the the stereotypical San Theodoro mustache <laughs> and hat and sombrero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I do have I guess... to hand it to him. <laughs> <laughs> guess who's also trying to kill Tintin? It's your favorite couple, uh, Ramon and Alonso. Ramon um, and Alonso are back. Remember them? Yeah. This whole book is just about everyone trying to assassinate Tintin for no fucking reason. He's just, you know, blood in the water. Yeah. Um, I do quite like this bit where, because they're both trying to, like, shoot at him, they end up shooting at each other. It's pretty good. It's it's like a comedy thing where, like, uh, Ramon throws a knife, he misses, but he hits, like, the the thing that, the, that like, huge, like, bunch of bananas are on. Banana! And so all, all, all this banana is falling on uh, on Pablo's head. Uh, and that makes him miss his shot too. Yeah. Uh-huh. And he, he shoots he shoots uh, Ramon in the ass and then Ramon goes home and then also sticks pins in his own ass. Pretty funny bit. Pretty good. Yeah, so Tintin uh, finds Pablo, sort of spares his life um, and befriends him. Uh, yet again, I can't think of any books in which Tintin has like befriended a local man who's then come back <laughs> later to save him. It's a real first for Erge here. Yeah, revolutionary concepts. Yeah, I mean, but yeah. this is but this is kind of like a like a JoJo situation where like the person who person fails to kill you and then becomes your best friend. Yeah, yeah, you know Tintin, your classic shonen protagonist. He he really is. Uh huh. <laughs> From Erjai's famous manga. <laughs> um, but yeah, while Tintin is out uh, getting assassinated and befriending his assassins, uh, uh, the, the fucking... Fuck, what's the general called? I've literally forgotten. Alcazar. Yes. Um, Alcazar is talking to Mr. Trickler, the legitimate businessman. Um, and he, because he's a fucking psychopath, accepts the deal and is like, sure, I'm gonna fucking invade uh, Nuevo Rico. Um, the uh, Mr. Trickler also tells him, like, oh, hey, you, you know Tintin? Like, that guy's sauce. Don't, Tintin's sauce. Don't trust Tintin. This <laughs> general just immediately believes him. Yeah, yeah. He's such an idiot. Like, I can't help but... I know you disagree with me on this, but I can't help but like him for how much of a fucking idiot he is. I mean that's fine. I can I can definitely understand like being ch- charmed by a war criminal. Like I'm looking at all my char yeah, exactly. fetishes. Um, <laughs> yeah, that would never happen. My Quattro Bagina fetishes. I've never appreciated a war criminal. Don't worry about it. <laughs> this is a fucking Roy Mustang of Tintin. The Roy Mustang of honestly <laughs> extremely good comparison. Full Metal Alchemist with General Alcazar instead of Mustang would be so fucking funny. <laughs> I want someone to draw that. What if General Alcazar had uh, fire powers? Right. Yeah, that's what. That, that's what. He just fucking pull it out like once, like fucking Edward beats him at the chess game. I am literally not imagining Roy Mustang and Edward playing chess. And if Edward were to beat Roy Mustang in chess, he would absolutely do this shit. I mean, there was like a great like episode in the 2003 uh, yes! FMA that was just like that fire duel that they had. I love that episode. 2003 FMA good. Everyone should watch it. It's kind kind of rules. You should like you have to watch both. Yeah. Um. So then this other guy shows up. Is this this guy named Basil Bazarov shows up who works for Corrupt Arms? <laughs> like corrupt with a K. I wonder what it could mean. Yeah. Um. This guy actually is based on a real life. 
uh, Wikipedia says, was a thinly veiled allusion to the real-life Greek weapons seller Basil Zaharov of Vickers Armstrong, who profited from the conflict by supplying arms to both Paraguay and Bolivia. Um... It also okay. It also says Hergé had learned about the conflict and the Western corporations profiting from it from, through two issues of anti-conformist French magazine Le Capuyo, uh, which covered news stories ignored by the mainstream media. Interesting. I like yet I mean, again. That, that can mean anything. <laughs> I uh, I'm like getting the vibe that Hergé like believes everything he reads. Yeah. Um. That seems right. Which I mean, this is you know this is probably true. Um. But it just, it really, like, feeds into, like, Kerge is just going with the flow for, like, whatever ideology is closest to him at the time. Yeah. Um, I hope he'll never work for a newspaper that is occupied by the Nazis. Yeah, I hope no uh, problematic ideologies uh, take over Brussels in the 1930s or 40s, um, which Kerge gets uh-huh. involved with. I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> anyway. <It's> fucking... <laughs> Legitimate business, uh, this guy from the legitimate business company shows up and uh, immediately sells Alcazar on the weapons and he's all in. Yeah. And like we, again, Hershey does the thing of like repeating the sequence uh, on the page where uh, this man, Basil, arms dealer, sells weapons to General Alcazar of San Theodoros, then immediately flies to Nuevo Rico, sells weapons to them. Um, yeah, and comes back. I like the se- uh, I like the sequence better when it happened in the Blue Lotus. Yeah, we can say this. We can say that for like all these sequences because yeah. they're all just kind of the same. Um, so there's a fucking Blue Lotus sequence again, I guess. Uh, where Pablo is saving him now because right, well, where are what's we? What's happening here? Listen, Tintin gets arrested. Yes, we barely again. need to know why. Like, Mister Trickler is like. Showing him a letter, showing oh yeah, showing Alcazar a letter, yeah. Okay, so yeah, like like... they convince Alcazar that Tintin is a spy, and he like arrests Tintin. I see. It's all clear to me now. No thanks to Hergé. An idiot. Like this. This. this, I feel like this happens a lot too, where like just the most like dubious guys convince people that Tintin is a spy. Yeah, yeah. Look look how little he is. Have you seen his dog? That's so sus. And they're like, yes, this is suspicious. <laughs> Someone by the name of Shifty Lying Man is going to show up with a totally legitimate letter and everyone is going to believe them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, true to real life. Have you seen Capitalists? Um, yeah. But I feel like this resolve, at least, this finally resolves the assassin plot because uh, the assassin is now doing his, like, final assassination attempt, which is, like, with a time bomb. Oh, yeah, the time bomb. The bomb that's going to blow up at 11 o'clock precisely on the dot. Yes. And, yeah, he's, like, carrying the bomb around and, like, sees a clock. And he's like, oh, no, my my watch is wrong. I must reset it. And then, like, two panels later, someone is reporting to General Alcazar, like, oh, th- there was a power outage. All the clocks are wrong. Um, And then, do-do-do-do-do-do, that pays off with this... Uh, assassin, sombrero-ed, poncho-ed assassin man holding a bomb and the uh, explodes himself and dies in a big explosion. F. F. There's a lot of, like, really brutal deaths in this one specifically. Yeah! <laughs> like, un- uncalled for deaths. Like, this one, the first one was just, like, the guy being thrown into the river. We don't even know what his face was like. Yeah. But then this one is just like completely getting thrown up, thro- bl- uh, blown up. Like we see his like limbs 
kind of sticking out and is some Brazos flying up. Yeah. And he was just a funny guy. Like, sure, he tried to as he tried to kill Tintin and Alcazar like four times, but he was just a funny guy. It's fine. You know? It's valid. Listen, it was his fetish. It's his right to express it. <laughs> yeah. No kink in the revolution. But yeah, uh, he gets blown um, up. Anyway, he's in prison again. Yeah, Tintin's in yeah. jail again. Um, and yeah, Pablo from earlier it breaks him out because he's nice. He's nice now. He's Tintin's friend now. Uh, th- once again, the Blue Lotus bit where he's in prison and then the locals rescue him because he's been nice to them before. Yeah, uh, yeah. Get, get new material. Hershey <laughs> <laughs> on the stage crying with his note cards that just say um, <laughs> d- d- train bit, car sequence, mountain chase. Because again, he does the yeah. thing from the end of Cigars of the Pharaoh where there's a car mountain chase and the car falls off of the mountain, but it was all a trick. There's another yeah. train sequence, so, just like in Cigars of the Pharaoh. So that happens, there's a train. Uh, yeah, as we said, fine action sequences. Um, yeah. Or don't really need to go through it in detail. I do I, I do enjoy the 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 bit of, like, oh, Tintin, uh, Tintin's car falls off the, the road. All the guys climbed on to get it, and when they climb back up, yeah. like, oh, Tintin's still in their car. That's a pretty fun bit. Um there's also a part where he's still in their car and he's driving through a barrier and like he drives through a bunch of military uh lines things um and then like three pages later i think this i think that i think tintin started a war between uh san theodoros and nuevo rico by doing this tintin started a war that seems to be the implication (laughs) um just because the car yeah everyone thought that the car is from the other side right like is that the yeah like the car was flying like something that was insignia or maybe the other honestly i don't know yeah i mean it's a little hard to keep apart who is on which side um yeah like herge doesn't really do a good job of i don't i don't think he really ever shows the nuevo rico side and like what their insignia looks like it's just all like all a bunch of military people and they're all in vaguely the same uniforms that are vaguely the same color. So like so far what Tintin does in this book besides blackface is starting a war. Blackface, <laughs> lightning to... teleportation, starting wars. Yeah. Wonderful accomplishments. Thank you, Mr. Tintin. Thank you, Tintin. I wonder if we need to add a Tintin's crimes bit instead. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we don't want to Tintin's... put blackface under achievements. No. Let's put Tintin's crimes. And unfortunately, the lightning teleportation is still like sick enough, like impressive enough that uh, we need to, you know, we need to have a bit in both columns. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, at the, like at the end of the podcast, we'll like, you know, rank his crimes against his powers and the cool <laughs> things he's done, and and see if you know we'll we'll determine if Tintin is cancelled or not because that's how it works. You see that post where someone was like. Well, I've never seen a post. Glenn Greenwald is definitely a leftist because he's gay and the the, the amount of gay sex he's had, the ratio between the amount of gay sex he's had uh, versus the, the number of Tucker Carlson appearances clearly outweighs it in a way that makes it ir- <laughs> irrelevant. <laughs> there are two wolves inside you, gay sex and Tucker Carlson appearances. Yeah. Which one will win? <laughs> If Tintin does enough lightning magic, you know. Yeah, yeah, we could we could write off the blackface as if it never happened. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
God, this really is a podcast where we just grapple with Hergé's ideologies and antics. You can't do uh, it differently. That's the only way. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, there's a sequence. Like, Tintin has been... Like, once again, he gets arrested. Listen, at any given point in a Tintin book, so far you could assume that he is arrested by someone yeah. and escaping from them. Uh, this time, uh, they're, like, taking him back to... Oh yeah, San Facion is the capital of San Pedro, I think. Yes. Um, so yeah, they're taking him back to San Facion, and he snowy chews through his ropes, and he jumps out the car into a river. Epic. And again, there's like a, this has a never cool, happened. cool epic action sequence. Um, yeah. I really, really like the way water is drawn here. Yeah, it's know. good. It just looks good. He might have redrawn that for the new edition, but like yeah, because because that looks more like in, in the later Tintins. Uh, Azure is gonna do some really epic, like, landscape drawing. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is very he, dynamic, it's a good scene. Yeah. He uh, gets out of the river with a fun tree branch trick, uh, yes. ends up at some, some like, settler's ranch. It was at some guy's house. We also have, like, a little insert of Ramon and Alonso, mm, mm. where they, uh, they read in the newspaper uh, about how the um, the Ville de Lyon caught fire mid-ocean uh, all cargo and baggage has been destroyed and they're like oh no the fetish was on that oh no my fetish my precious fetish I think the fetish might have been destroyed unless Tintin unless... is lying oh yeah because that's the that's the ship where Tintin was lying to them about where the where the fetish is yeah yeah that's the fetish he lied about he told yeah. them his fetish was on the ship so now um... they're like oh no Tintin we need to still find Tintin again it's mm-hmm. not over yet Mm-hmm. So he's at um, this guy's place now, um, and this is where the racism. <laughs> this is where the real racism begins. No, this was all just warm up. <laughs> We're all just warming up to the real racism. Um, so yeah, he's at this guy's house. This guy is very much in the vein of the um, like British settlers in the Indian jungles. This guy is like has like a big ranch. Uh, seems to be a white guy. Um, just with a bunch of land in Paraguay. I'm sure there's nothing sus about that. No. Um, and Tintin, like, he starts talking to Tintin about the Arumbayas, and Tintin is like, oh yeah, remember the plot from the start of the book? <laughs> yes, I'll go visit the Arumbayas. <laughs> um, so he finds a, I think, an indigenous guide. He's, like, drawn the same way as the, like, Arumbayas are later on. Yeah. Um, but he's, like, oh, really? Like, again, he has... He he's not written to have an accent, but he's written to have like poor English, yeah, where he which uses might like be worse. Yeah, a lot of like Spanish words, and like he's also doing the thing of like you know your classic like white explorer thing, where the like indigenous guide like fucking takes care of everything. Uh, seemingly, it simply sucks. This is very bad. This um, whole sequence and it just gets worse. Don't worry, it's gonna get worse. Um, I. I mean, I don't really, I don't really want to talk about it. Yeah, let's just try to uh, to go through it as fast as we can. We'll skim like, over it. Like he's in he, the rainforest. He keeps he meets a white guy. He <laughs> meets his... a white guy. It's like the trope of this is apparently based on a real thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, is it Livingstone? The... What's there was that there was that famous like. So yeah, Livingstone is the famous uh, went missing in the fucking somewhere in Africa, I cannot yeah. remember. There was a Behind the Bastards episode about Henry Morton Stanley, which went through this, which is actually really interesting, and you should listen to that. Um, hang on, let me just skim the Wikipedia page again. 
Okay, so it says the explorer Ridgewell found living among the Adumbayas is based on British explorer Colonel Percy Harrison Fawcett, who mysteriously disappeared disappeared in the Amazon jungle in 1927. Um, okay, great. Thanks, Wikipedia. Those are facts, I guess. So he finds this white guy who like becomes his guide and is like, oh, actually, I love, I want to live with the Arambayas. They're cool. I'm teaching them how to play golf. Love that. Um, for for you, dude. Um, there's like a sequence of this part. Of the... Okay, not only does like the the racism in this part of the book sucks, but there's a part in which he just completely stops drawing backgrounds. Yeah, I I also just found something on this. On that about the Wikipedia, because it says like for the second edition where he uh where he recolored and like redrew the frame the frames, it says um as the coloration process was new to the series, the use of color in Broken Ear is more basic than in later volumes of the book progresses. It is evident that Ergie lost interest and rushed the task. <laughs> for instance, resorting to using block color backgrounds without any detail. Yeah. So <laughs> that's where we're at. Like the the backgrounds in this one is just nothing. All the colors. Yeah. Um, I know, I mean, like, throughout this whole sequence, they, like, Adumbayas, and there's also, like, a rival tribe called the, like, Urumbabas, are just, they're, like, uh, silly little indigenous people. Yep. Like, it, like, it just really sucks. They're doing sacrifices. They're, like, being silly. Um, like, the, the, the white guy seems to be trying to teach them to civilize the game of golf. Um, it sucks. There, I do want to actually talk about the language bit. Yes. Um, because RJ does a thing, which again, it's like he has a written out Adumbaya language, but then if you like read it and phonetically pronounce it out, it's just like a a mis weirdly incredibly hard to read spelling of like funny Cockney accent. Oh well. Wow. Like, did you get that? No, I didn't read it out. Yeah, like, if you look at it and you read it out, like, the part where he's, like, saying um, stuff in Arambaya language, he says, mm-hmm, Who are ya? Tis good to meet ya, matey. Um, oh my god. And, like, the Ridgewell speaking, quote-unquote, Arambaya says, Now look, do you remember the brown idol? Tintin's looking for it. Can you help him? And, like, the whole thing so... I wouldn't have been able to, like, to to decode that on my own. Yeah, it's like okay, like out out of context. Yeah. Like removing the racist stuff, like it's kind of fun to do something like that. Where it looks like a language, but actually if you read it and sound it out, you can decipher it and like that's like, you know, a fun interactive activity for the reader to do. Mm. And then you put it back in context and it's like, oh haha, silly indigenous language. Fucking that's so incredibly funny. offensive. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know what this was like in French, you know, but I assume he did a similar thing there. Like, yeah, it says. The Cockney is obviously the translator's thing. I mean, it yeah. might have been like a comparable accent. In yeah, now that I'm reading this out, it might actually be more like Northern accent, more like uh, Geordie, but like. Yeah. Um, Wikipedia says he based its structure largely on the Bruxellier dialect spoken in the Malore area of Brussels, mixed with Spanish endings and constructions. So I guess that is like a similar thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. look, this has been, like, all over, all over these types of comics. Um, mm-hmm. This is, I said this last episode that I was just editing, that, like, so much of Asterix is also just this, like, whenever they go to, yeah. like, a different country, their language is always gonna be just, like, puns. Yeah, yeah. Um. Um, it is what it is, it sucks, 
I wish yeah. I wish it didn't have it, especially like how comparatively good like the portrayal of race was in um, uh, in the last book. Yeah, yeah. And um, it's like again, like because in this you you feel that Hajai is trying to do a similar similar thing. He just doesn't have a Latin American or an indigenous or an indigenous friend. Yeah, it's like very much still. This is the same as in Cigars of the Pharaoh. This just like reverts back to that where it's like. Oh, haha, it's all a misunderstanding, but it's also just like not based on anything, right? Like it's still, it's still, a, it's still a stereotype. It's just, yeah, know, yeah. Not all indigenous people are evil. It's funny misunderstandings. They're just funny. Isn't this funny? What are, this thing I'm doing? Isn't this cute? <laughs> God. It's not. Indeed. <laughs> it's not. Um... It's not cute. Anyway, there's like really long exposition then with like really huge speech bubbles. I'm not reading all that. Yeah, I'm not. Guess see. what? The fetish has a diamond in it, which is why Ramon and Alonso won it. Happy for you. I'm sorry that happened. <laughs> Whichever. Um, and yeah, like, uh, eventually Ramon and Alonso come and find Tintin in the jungle. There's like a fight sequence with them. It's actually, again, I quite like this fight sequence. It's quite, quite good action. Yeah. Um, Tintin like ties them up yet again. Um, the book is about fetishes. I'm sure this isn't relevant in any way. Um, there's more fighting. Tintin escapes into the river um, and just kind of ends up back in like the San Theodoros city. Yeah, that was worth it. And like, no one has the fetish. Thanks for the like 15 pages of racism that like didn't amount to anything. <laughs> Yeah, like I'm sure, like there's, yeah, Tintin could have found out there was a diamond in like literally any other way. Yeah, like, thank you, 1936 comics. Yeah, for like having he... an obligatory. We have to go talk to the the savage natives and like have adventures with them, kind of thing. And then he fucking returns to Europe. Like he just goes back. He to just Brussels. goes home. <laughs> what was this? What was this all good for? He fucking Tintin caused causes a war. And then just goes back to Europe. Oh yeah, also, the war, sim- on this page where he goes home, like, the war simply ends because they find out there is no uh, oil in, like, the Grand Chaco. Which happened in real life as well. Great. Or I don't know if the war ended because they find there was no war, but, like, they did a whole war about the, like, Chaco region, and then yeah. after everything, it turned out there wasn't even any oil in it. So... Yeah, although the Chaco war seems to have gone on for almost three years, so... Yeah, in this it was, like, a week. Yeah, this might not be based on... I assume, like, if it started while Erge was writing, he just, like, made up that that's gonna be the end. So, is... I think, like, the Chaco War started and ended. It says it was fought between 1932 and 35. Yes. So it, like, kind of ended before Erge was writing this. Oh, but okay. But it was the, the February Revolution is the one I was talking about. Oh, yeah, right, right. This was, yeah, publication started in 35, so... Um, yeah. So yeah, it's, then he might it's... have just based on that. Hergé said, oh, a silly little war. It would just end if they found out there wasn't any actual war. There's nothing, no other, like, uh, factors, including just, <laughs> No like, other interests. Uh, Paraguayan bitterness about having no. land stolen and uh, nationalist and uh, fucking Marxist fascist regimes here. Don't worry about it. It's mm. fine. The war just ends. But yeah, Tintin goes home. He goes Great. home. The book's over. He walks past an antique store and... Oh, shit. What's that? Would you guess it? The fetish is there, and it's it has a broken ear. There, there it is. There's the fetish. You just find it at the end. That's it. He just finds it. He buys it for a hundred money. 
100 okay 100 money is a lot of money in 1936 yeah that's like so many money yeah it is like cheap for cheap for you know being the thing being the macguffin of the story it's pretty cheap to just like buy it for 100 money yeah Um, and then guess what guess what there's two two more and these ones these ones are 1750 for both of them and both have the broken ear oh fuck so yeah Tintin's like okay gotta find out what the hub is fucking um and he eventually finds that there's just a workshop churning these things out. There's like, I do like the panel of him going into a room and there's just like a hundred of these little fetishes, all with broken ears. And he's like, ah, oh, fuck. Ah, be- so many of them. So many fetishes. It you thought there was be... just one fetish in this book? There's yeah. a lot more. Shouldn't be legal to have this many fetishes. <sighs> I'm. Uh huh. I'm becoming the, the no kink at pride guy, but. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> As everyone is allowed to have one fetish. You get one. If you try to bring more than one fetish to Pride, you have to leave. Yeah. You gotta you gotta get rid of one. Like you gotta okay. discard one fetish, put it in your graveyard before you can come to Pride. I can't believe there was like a huge controversy about like bringing little statues to Pride. Like who cares? I know. I just I wanna bring my little Miku statues to Pride. Come on. Miku should go to Pride. <laughs> I can't believe you're making me choose between my Miku fetish and my Shara Aznable fetish to bring to Pride. <laughs> what will the woke left come for next? Oh yeah, my Yu-Gi-Oh fetishes. <sighs> so listen, I mean Yu-Gi-Oh. You know, you know how Yu-Gi-Oh's design is based off of BDSM, like literally. I did not know that. Like the reason that Yu-Gi-Oh has so many belts in the show is because I famously um... don't recognize any BDSM things. So okay, okay, yeah, yeah. If if it's if it's black and there's belts on it, that's BDSM. Don't worry about it. But yeah, like uh, Takahashi like watched Edward Scissorhands and thought that the, like the belts and stuff were a cool look, so he uh-huh. made his like child protagonist of his shonen anime have like BDSM. Outfit. So he's just like me that he also doesn't understand BDSM. Exactly. Camp- I- I'm so happy to be here with Kazuki Takahashi himself. <laughs> <laughs> Honor to have you on the podcast, sir. Uh, yeah, Tintin finds all the fetishes. <laughs> Yeah, and he asks the guy, like, who who gave you the fetish that you used as a model? Who gave you the model you used as a fetish? Yeah. Um, so, if I understand this correctly, yes. the plot of this entire book could be resolved by the fact that the guy from the start, the, 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 the carver that had the parrot, yes. he just, he gave a tortilla the wrong fetish yes at the very start of the book and the original fetish has been in his trunk in brussels the entire time yep that's it there we go there we go cool plot solved and yeah tintin now goes on like a sequence to go and retrieve that original fetish which has been sold to a guy who's gone to america he has to go follow the guy to his boat on america he gets a plane to the boat there's like three pages here um oh yeah so he's tracking down the fetish guess who else is back at it again trying to track down the fetish i don't know who this could be sarah I just, I have I no just, more guesses. Yeah, it's you know it's the last three pages of the book. Perfect time to introduce a new faction of characters who are trying to track down the fetish. <laughs> it's Rastapopoulos. He's back. <laughs> <laughs> Rastapopoulos is here to tell us about his fetishes. No, it's not. It's Ramon and Alonso. The classic characters. Classic Ramon characters and that we that I'm sure are going to be in a lot more Tintin books after this. Yeah, yeah. They they don't. 
looking at this panel. I can't wait to see my favorite recurring villains in, in all the later books. Yeah, like, they find the fetish, they find the little statue, there's a little fight over the little statue, the little statue gets broken. Hey, inside the statue, diamond! So that's why everyone was after it. A diamond. The, the real fetish was money all along. <laughs> Actually, that, that, that really genuinely seems like yeah. Hergé's theme for this book, yeah. like literally. Um, given the, uh, the like corporate interests in the, uh, Shaco war section. Um, it was money all along. It was money all along. So, cause it's everyone wants the diamond and the money, they like, the, eventually, just like in Titanic, I can't believe Hergé ripped this one off. <laughs> um, the diamond falls into the sea, and Ramon and Alonso and Tintin get in a big fight. They fall into the sea. Incredibly funny panel where like all three of them are like clinging onto each other and like fall headwards into the sea. Then Tintin gets rescued from the sea. He's... Yeah, they have like a little, they're wrestling like under the sea and like Tintin just somehow manages to escape and hold on to like the safety. Yeah, uh, he's, a li- he's, he's, he's a little guy. He can just wriggle out. Yeah. He's fine. So he gets fished out. Yeah, no, I'm still looking at this panel. <laughs> he gets fished out and Alonso and Ramon are like still clinging onto each other and sinking. And then... Tintin gets the gets the famous blankets that you give like people that get fished out of the water. It's a shock blanket. He's in shock. He's in shock. Uh, epic Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. So the he asks, he's like, "Oh, what happened to the others?" And the like boat guy says, "They went straight on down. Where did they go, Janusz? <laughs> so Where did they go down to?" So there's a panel in this comic where where we see Ramon and Alonso. Being wrangled by like three smiling devils, pitchforks and wings and everything. Yeah, three comedy devils. And by comedy, I mean the divine comedy because these guys are straight from Dante's Inferno. These guys are being dragged down to hell by three comedy devils. I this is this almost makes everything worth it. Like literally, it's Sam Raimi's "Drag Me to Hell." Did Sam Raimi yes. write it? Uh, someone's "Drag Me to Hell," uh, featuring uh, Ramon and Alonso Perez from uh, "Tinted and the Broken Ear," d- d- written by Hergé. Um, <laughs> they get sent to hell, yeah. They get sent to hell. Um, it's all worth it. The racism was worth it. The blackface was worth it. The fetishes were worth it. Wikipedia says, "I don't know where was the bit." Oh my god, yeah, there was a bit on Wikipedia. Yeah, this was very controversial. Okay, but the the bit on Wikipedia that um really made me lose my shit was... Oh, fuck, i got to find it. So it says about the original publication... Um, it says at the end of the story, Hergé killed off Ramon and Alonso and depicted them being de- dragged to hell by devils. This yeah. would mark the last depiction of the deaths of a villain in the series until uh, Explorers on the Moon. Mm-hmm. And it says, this upset the editors of Curveyor, who asked Hergé to change the scene. In order their request, he later commented, on the surface it cost me nothing. That kind of addition was really difficult to me. So this last sentence... <laughs> for their, for their serialization says... of the story, he replaced that particular frame with one in which Tintin vouchsafed the souls of Ramon and Alonso for God. <laughs> they went to heaven, actually. <laughs> So yeah, but, I'm but it, this at... was only in the original publication in the Petit Vantiem because it wasn't like Christian enough to send the, your villains into hell. But very clearly, okay, but... 
it really hurt RJ that he can't do this drag me to hell scene. So like in the later editions, like in the in the in the collected volumes, he put the devils back. So I'm looking at so like it was serialized in the Petit Vingtième like, you know, regular OG Catholic conservative newspaper that we all know and love. Nothing problematic about it. Uh, no Mussolini supporters in its editing staff. But I'm looking at, so it was serialized in Petit Vingtième and also in Coeur Valiant. And like, Coeur Valiant is just like a different oh, French see. Catholic newspaper. Fuck so that, like, you can't just the, do that. Yeah, so I guess Petit Vingtième completely fine with setting these guys to hell, but like, different Catholic French newspaper was like, mm. <laughs> Gonna go to heaven. <laughs> and I think, actually, I think this is... So if Petit Fontaine was Belgian, then Gour Valiant is the French one. Oh, that one. makes sense, yeah. Because, like, yeah, it says that, that, that like, the um, Gour Valiant newspaper is notable for introducing the adventures of Tintin to France. Yeah. So, yeah, if you're French, you're not allowed to go to hell. No. Um, <laughs> is what I'm reading here. <laughs> All French people go to heaven. Um, so reading the Wikipedia, and apparently... Uh, in the original version, there was a minor character named Carajo. He was later renamed Caraco because the word Carajo is Spanish slang for penis, which Hergé didn't know. <laughs> and that's the only oh vaguely God, sexual God. thing in this comic, so... Yeah, yeah, nothing else sexual. Uh, then, <laughs> speaking of which, there's a great panel where the guy who... I love this Where panel. the guy who, who had it, the guy who had the fetish is shouting, Ooh, my fetish! My beautiful fetish! <sighs> Yeah, so the guy who bought the fetish finds out that his fetish was stolen, and because he's a billionaire, that means he's a good person intrinsically. So he returns the fetish to the museum. Yeah, where it belongs. Yeah, the place where it belongs. That's the, that's that's its original living place, the museum uh-huh. in Brussels. That's where it belongs. There we go. Um, I do actually really like the like final panel of the. The book. final panel is a great punchline. It's a great panel. Uh, uh, we just we see the fetish. Which, like, at the end of in the like fight sequence, got broken into a, a bunch of pieces. Yes, and we just see it in the museum. <laughs> it's like, I'm not. What if this isn't in the panel? But I am imagining what if the fetish had like a comedy like sling on its arm and like a uh, like a plaster bandage on his foot and stuff. Um, but it doesn't. It just has like a bunch of like comedy plasters and stickers and stitches and string tying it together, because much like uh, Melisandre. Uh, visiting Melisandre's cave, Funko Pop. Yes. Uh, it's it's been through the wars. That that's um, back. That's it. <laughs> that's the broken ear. I feel like you know, not to make any bad puns, but I feel I really feel like I've been broken ear. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't wait for a for just a chill trip to Scotland in the next one. I think that's really going to uh, going to re revitalize our crops. And cleanse our pores. Yeah, that's what skincare YouTube recommends. This one had a bunch of bad shit. You you read the middle Tintin books, which are I'm sure just like a chill time with nothing bad shit happening to them, which makes sense. I think I think the next two are gonna be fine. The next three are gonna be fine, and then the then the the last bad one that I remember (laughs) is coming Mm, up. mm, mm. But for now, we have gotten through. We've gotten through another Tintin book. How would you rate this one? I have a headache. Like, I literally have a headache. <laughs> like, I'm not... I'm shit, you know it. And I mean, that could also be the, the several depression naps I've taken over the last yeah, two days, but... Yeah. I there do... might be other aspects to that. <laughs> I do have a big headache. So, I would give it um one out of uh five fetishes. 
um, uh-huh, because uh-huh. you're only allowed to take one fetish to Pride. Um, so I'm gonna gonna pick my Shar Asmal fetish to take to Pride, and that's the one <sighs> fetish that I'm gonna give this book because of the war crimes. Yeah, this is and stuff. This is tough for me because the the hell bit was very good. Were some good action sequences, like all oh, the bad stuff was so bad. It was so bad. Like again, the one I'm giving it is for the funny drag me to yeah. hell sequence, and also like some of the middle parts, which I did quite like. Yeah, I um, think I will also give it a one out of five. I think this is the worst one. I think I like Cigars of the Pharaoh more because it was earlier, and I could more I could forgive its crimes more. Yeah, the the racism in Cigars was fair. Um, the Pharaoh was like stupid and dumb. Like, but this is like heinous. Yeah, there's some heinous shit in this. Yeah, can we? Yeah, are are we agreeing on this being on the bottom of our rankings? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. So so far, uh, our ranking of all the Tintin books is Blue Lotus undefeated. Then cigars of the pharaoh, and then the broken ear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That seems um, that seems fair. Yeah, that's that's Tintin. That's Tintin. I think we can end this podcast. Do we have any other housekeeping to do here? Um. Yeah, the podcast is now live. If you want to tell people about it, you can tell them to go to tintinpodcast dot com, and that will take you to our feed. Yes. Um. We will, will also. Yeah. Set up a Twitter and we'll link that in the description. Yes. I, um, I think I'm going to set up the Twitter account Tintin underscore podcast, uh, but I will uh, link to it in the description. So uh-huh. you will find it. Oh. Could have linked to it in the previous episode. Maybe I'll edit that. Yeah. Yeah. You can. So now you can add us on Twitter. You yeah. can tell us all about your fetishes. Post pictures <laughs> of your little fetishes. Please. Show us your fetish collection. Um, and I guess you'll see. Yeah, <laughs> you know, she have any fetishes or just the Melisandre one? No, I am. Well, it's uh, that and the minion. Those are I, I posted that to Twitter. Those mm-hmm. are the two genders. <laughs> there are two fetishes inside yeah. you. <sighs> yeah, I, I only have shower fetishes uh, and, and Kyber fetishes. Well, um, you, okay, actually, I've got and Quattro Bajina fetishes. And sorry, and I how could I confuse? Uh, <laughs> Quattro Bajina and Charlestable. Um, listen to. Uh, sorry, what? Not all blondes are the same. Not all blondes are the same man. Um, I guess we'll. Well, listeners, see you in two weeks with the Black Island. Yeah, don't do blackface. We'll see you in two weeks. We'll see you in Scotland. Ah, hi, Hootsman the new. See you later. Alright, do we have a sign? <laughs> Could we come up with a sign off for this? Did we have a sign off? No. Like happy fetishizing. <laughs> see you in Scotland. <laughs> Don't do no blackface. Is a pride. I think don't do blackface is a don't pretty do no fun. No fun. No fetish is a pride. Domination's a name of the game. Even our-